Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, to the Heming Brainiac Podcast of Legends. Talking about Of Human Bondage, Chapter 59. Palm face. Face palm, palm face. Face palm? I think I meant to say face palm, but I wrote palm face. Same thing. Wait, what's palm face? Palm tree. Face palm. Same thing. <laughs> I did mean to write face palm though. That's pretty funny that I messed that up. That's a real face palm in itself. I am Norwegian said, I did not expect them to fly back together so soon. Mildred completely moved past Philip's spazzing out. She's being strangely nicer to Philip than earlier. Yeah, I say she's been um, rejected. And now she's pleased to see him by the looks of things. Do you think that's probably what's happened? Swims to the mama fish, she says. She's keeping him in her back pocket. She's an emotional abuser. You think so? Emotional abuser. Jeez, that's strong words. I think she's definitely very manipulative and selfish. I don't think she really cares about Philip all that much. Laura Weistich says, Well, I don't think Philip is going to make it as a doctor. Um... true <laughs> yeah he's got a but, but no i keep you know what i keep doing is comparing the author to this character and it's a fictional character in a work of fiction so i shouldn't do that um he's a bad student nonetheless intrepid says i think i haven't been out anywhere since i don't know how long explains the niceness i don't like mildred the author has written this so well that i believe this relationship at the same time, I am bewildered by it. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It does feel very real, even though it does feel completely ridiculous. It's always good when an author can do that, hey? Make you exasperated by the ridiculousness, but also, um, you, yeah, you still believe in it. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, excuse me. There, um... Let's just keep reading, hey? I'm pretty tired. Let's do a quick one. Oh, it's a short chapter too, so this will be a super quick episode. What a special treat for you. I wonder if that is a treat for you, if having a quick day is good for you, or if you prefer a nice long podcast. Um, it's just a treat for me right now because, as you can hear, I'm yawning and I'm half asleep, so I've left it too late. LX60. Chapter 60. First, before we go into chapter 60, let's have a quick advertisement. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Patreon. Got patreon.com slash the Hemingway list. You can support the podcast there if you want to. All right, chapter 60. They dined in Soho. Philip was tremulous with joy. It was not one of the more crowded of these cheap restaurants where the respectable and needy dine in the belief that it is bohemian and the assurance that it is economical. It was a humble establishment, kept by a good man from Rouen and his wife, that Philip had discovered by accident. He had been attracted by the Gallic look of the window, in which was generally an uncooked steak on one plate, and on each side 
two dishes of raw ingredient raw vegetables sorry <clears throat> there was one seedy french waiter who was attempting to learn english in a house where he never heard anything but french and the customers were a few ladies of easy virtue a menage or two who had their own napkins reserved for them and a few queer men who came in for hurried scanty meals here mildred and philip were able to get a table to themselves philip sent the waiter for a bottle of burgundy from the neighboring tavern and they had a potage or herbs a steak from the window or pommes and an omelette or kirsch there was really an air of romance in the meal and in the place mildred at first a little reserved in her appreciation i never quite trust these foreign places you never know what there is in these messed up dishes was insensibly moved by it i like this place philip she said you feel you can put your elbows on the table don't you a tall fellow came in with a mane of gray hair and a ragged thin beard he wore a dilapidated cloak and a wide awake hat he nodded to philip who had met him there before he looks like an anarchist, said Phil, said Mildred. Mildred. <clears throat> he is one of the most dangerous in Europe. He has been in every prison on the continent and has assassinated more persons than any gentleman unhung. He always goes about with a bomb in his pocket, and of course it makes conversation a little difficult because you don't agree with him. He lays it on the table as a market manner. She looked at the man with horror and surprise and then glanced suspiciously at Philip. She saw that his eyes were laughing. She frowned a little. You're getting at me. He gave a little shout of joy. He was so happy, but Mildred didn't like being laughed at. I don't see anything funny in telling lies. Don't be cross. He took her hand, which was lying on the table, and pressed it gently. You are lovely, and I could kiss the ground you walk on, he said. The greenish pallor of her skin intoxicated him, and her thin white lips had an extraordinary fascination. Her anemia made her rather short of breath, and she held her mouth slightly open. It seemed to add somehow to the attractiveness of her face. "'You do like me a bit, don't you?' he asked. "'Well, if I, don't, if I didn't, I suppose I wouldn't be here, would I? Sorry. Well, if I didn't, I suppose I shouldn't be here, should I?' You're a gentleman in every sense of the word. I will say that for you. They had finished their dinner and were drinking coffee. Philip, throwing economy to the winds, smoked a three-penny cigar. You can't imagine what a pleasure it must be to just sit opposite and look at you. I've yearned for you. I was sick for a sight of you. Mildred smiled a little and faintly flushed. She was not then suffering from the dyspepsia which generally attacked her immediately after a meal. She felt more kindly disposed to Philip than ever before, and the unaccustomed tenderness in her eyes filled him with joy. He knew instinctively that it was madness to give himself into her hands. His only chance was to treat her casually and never allow her to see the untamed passions that seethed in his breast. She would only take advantage of his weakness, but he could not be prudent now. He told her all the agony he had endured during the separation from her, and he told her of his struggles with himself, how he had tried to get over his passion, thought he had succeeded, and how he found out that it was as strong as ever. He knew that he had never really wanted to get over it. He loved her so much that he did not mind suffering. He bared his heart to her. He showed her proudly all his weakness. 
Nothing would have pleased him more than to sit on in the cosy, shabby restaurant, but he knew that Mildred wanted entertainment. She was restless, and wherever she was, wanted after a while to go somewhere else. He dared not bore her. I say, how about going to a music hall, he said. He thought rapidly that if she cared for him at all, she would say she preferred to stay there. I was just thinking we ought to be going, if to be going if we are going, she answered. Come on, then. Philip waited impatiently for the end of the performance. He made up his mind exactly what to do, and when they got into the cab, he passed his arm, as though almost by accident, around her waist. But he drew it back quickly with a little cry. He had pricked himself. She laughed. There, that comes of putting your arm where it's got no business to be, she said. I always know when men try and put their arm around my waist, that pin always catches them. I'll be more careful. He put his arm around again. She made no objection. I'm so comfortable, he sighed blissfully. So long as you're happy, she retorted. They drove down St. James's Street into the park and Philip quickly kissed her. He was strangely afraid of her and it required all his courage. She turned her lips to him without speaking. She neither seemed to mind nor to like it. If you only knew how long I've wanted to do that, he murmured. He tried to kiss her again but she turned her head away. Once is enough, she said. On the chance of kissing her a second time, he travelled down to Hearn Hill with her, and at the end of the road in which she lived, he asked her, Won't you give me another kiss? She looked at him indifferently and then glanced up the road to see that no one was in sight. I don't mind. He seized her in his arms and kissed her passionately, but she pushed him away. Mind my hat, silly. You are clumsy, she said. All right, there we go. That's the new chapter for you. Um, <laughs> these two. Bloody hell. What can I even say about these two? Have your say about this over at the subreddit. Thanks very much for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.